can be lonely at the top. We all know what it's like to lead and own a business and wanting to scale, but finding yourself at a glass ceiling. That is where the power of collaboration and connection comes in. Hi, I'm Natasha Milani. I'm an expert at helping businesses and business owners harness the power of collaboration to connect, scale and grow. I am passionate about collaboration. I believe that no one executes alone. We all do better when we do it together. Welcome to this Power of Collaboration podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. I hope that you get the inspiration and information you need to harness the power of collaboration to break through your glass ceiling. Today, we are talking to Claire Mockler, who is the newly appointed CEO of the City of Adelaide Local Government Council. Welcome, Claire. Thank you for having me here, Natasha. Now, first of all, Claire, congratulations on your new appointment as the CEO of the City of Adelaide. I know you've been acting in the role for some time now and deputy CEO, but uh, wanted to start by warmest congratulations to you. Must be very exciting. Thank you. Yes, it is. I've worked in the organisation for nearly 20 years, so to now, at long last have the opportunity to really shape what's next. It's really exciting. Well, that's a great segue into getting a bit of background about Claire Mockler. So just share a little bit about your background, Claire. Um, As I just said, Natasha, I started in the organisation nearly 20 years ago and I've worked in various different parts of the organisation over many years. And um, the beauty of local government is that it's so diverse. So if you want a career that Um, gives you an opportunity to try out new things and learn new skills and local government's a really good place to be. So um, I've worked in, as I said, many different parts of the business and um, yes, I'm now the CE. Um, at the city. And that's a great um, plug for local government really because you're right there's so many the diversity of local government offers so many opportunities. Normally in this podcast Claire we we interview business owners and chief executives who are in private sector but I acknowledge that the city of Adelaide is a business in its own right um, in in within government and it's quite diverse, as I mentioned. Can you just share an insight into what it's like leading an organisation like the City Council? Um, well, you're spot on. It is really diverse. So we have our own commercial businesses that we run at profit. So things like our U Park, our golf links, our aquatic centre. Um, and then we also obviously deliver a whole range of different community services uh, to the people that live, work and play in the city. So things like libraries, community centres, you know, manage open space. Um, We also have a um, very large strategic property arm. So uh, many people don't realise that the city of Adelaide is a massive landowner in its own right. Um, And so over the last few years, things, you know, uh, the council's been able to do um, are really shape what the city looks like. So um, buying uh, the old Le Cornus site at 88 O'Connell Street a few years ago. Very familiar with that project. (laughs) (laughs) Thought you might remember that one. But, um, you know, a symbol of the uh, lack of progress uh, that many um, say that the uh, city um, 
can sometimes suffer from. Um, it's been a really interesting um, experience to be able to be part of um, a, a couple of different councils who have had the foresight to be able to use their strategic property holdings really smartly and, and invest in these sites where um, we know that um, redevelopment's needed. So we are really diverse. We um, look after the parklands. We've got an amazing horticulture team that looks after those open spaces beautifully. We have roads, we have footpaths, we have lighting. Um, all of these assets um, we need to maintain and look after. And as I said earlier, we're also a community service as well. So um, making sure that you know more vulnerable residents in the city are looked after and cared for. We're really broad in, in terms of what we, what we have responsibility for. And you've got marketing and um, all those other sort of financial, all those sort of softer business skills that you need to run a business, which I'm going to delve into a bit more. Just for those of you that don't know um, my specific background in relation to the city, I know that 88 O'Connell Street project so well because as an elected member for eight years for the City of Adelaide, I was instrumental in driving that acquisition and it's the, the legacy I'm most proud of leaving my my tenure as an elected member. So just thought I'd share that with everyone. So leadership within a, a large organisation, a diverse organisation, can you talk to me about and what are the qualities and how you build skills um, in terms of leadership? It's certainly changed over, over the years. So one of the things that's really important to me is I recruit for values and less around skills. So what's really important is from a values basis and a behaviour basis, can I work with this person? And as an organisation, we particularly in the last year, have really focused on making sure our values are at the forefront of our approach to how we do things. So one of our values, funnily enough, is collaboration. And so what we do as, as senior leaders is um, talk quite openly and transparently with our people around, if I you know, say that collaboration is really important to me, here's what you will see. So, And then we ask our people to hold us to account. And if they don't see the behaviours that we've said that we will live up to, then please do call it out and share it with us. Um, so um, leadership at the city has, you know, really focused around the values. But from a skills perspective, um, we also are really fortunate in that we make sure that every staff member has a, you know, personal development plan. And as I said earlier, because we are diverse, it's really, you know, it's a much easier sort of proposition to be able to attract people into the organisation because they can see that there's opportunity for growth. They can see that, you know, they might be running a customer centre, but if they're really interested in, you know, a different part of the organisation, then there's opportunity to be able to grow and, and develop within the organisation. And of course, you know, 20 years, I didn't start in a senior leadership role at the city. Um, I started um, just uh, in parking administration in the old regulatory services team. But, you know, if you, if you want to try uh, new things and get out of your comfort zone, then as an organisation, we enable that to happen. And it's through those types of experiences that you grow and develop and pick up new skills and, yeah, one day end up potentially being the CEO. A great story. I, I really like that point you make about um, recruiting on values. I think that's a great tip for any business leader to think about how they create those values, instill those values throughout the organisation and be beholden to them, as you mentioned. In terms of 
leadership and connecting to how that drives strategy within the organisation. Can you share, um, I, I talk, constantly talking to business owners and leaders about how they plan ahead in their business, how they create strategy, how they bring in innovation and new ideas. Can you share a little bit of an insight into how you do that with the City of Adelaide? So one of the things that's always been really important to me, just personally, because it's where I get a huge amount of pleasure from, is that is around challenging status quo. And it's not about challenging status quo just for the sake of it. It's about changing something for the better and local government every four years there are elections and unlike state or federal uh, we do have an enormous amount of change and so every four years you're you are required to think about what you do differently and so being able to be open to thinking about everything that you do with a different lens has been absolutely I think critical to enabling the city to be able to respond and adapt quite quickly particularly now as we see during COVID Um, and I think local government in particular has, has been able to adapt and respond really quickly as I said because we are by nature um you know, I think we do surprise a lot of people. We're actually, we can move quickly when we want to um, and when we need to. So when it comes to strategic planning and innovation, I think um, what we've been able to do, and, and it's really, we're really diverse in terms of leadership at the political level. So we have 12 elected politicians, all of whom bring to the table different skills, different strengths, different ideas about what they want to see for the city. And so that's actually really exciting because what it does is really require us as leaders to take and sort of think quite deeply and creatively about how you harness all of that into something that, um, you know, that that will benefit the city and the ratepayer. So innovation and creativity through strategic planning is definitely driven by the diversity, by the diversity of people that we that we work with politically. Yeah, and that and diversity is is critical, isn't it? And it's almost like you've got this big funnel that you you know you start mm. wide and you have to sort of narrow it down yeah. to work out where you're going to focus your efforts. I always use a quote from Anthony Kittle of uh, Red Arc who says strategy is equally as about what you're not going to do as it is with where you're going to put your focus. I was going to say then the really hard stuff is about the prioritisation of of what you're left with. Yeah, absolutely. Anthony's spot on. And, And businesses grapple with the same thing, you know, in the private sector. So talking about strategic planning, the process, and you you sort of alluded to the fact that it's done every four years post-election. What what have you seen that works well in that space in terms of, you know, the processes that work? You've got a whole lot of diversity of ideas. You talk about the values in the organisation. How do you most efficiently create a plan going forward? Um, this time around, what we did with the elected body was actually start from a we took them out of uh, their usual environment. So normally um, strategic plans with elected bodies, you sit in a room called the Colonel Light Room. There's no natural light. You're surrounded by the weight of history, which for someone like me doesn't necessarily generate sort of the energy that you might need to be a bit more inspiring about what's possible. So what we did this time around was um, we took council members to MOD, which had at that point newly opened on North Terrace, so a brand new space. Uh, we took them around an exhibition. So we sort of asked them to, you know, just then talk about cities in a way, you know, 
what cities do you love and why do you love them? So we started off just trying to find some common ground about uh, what people loved about cities. Um, you know, some people love, you know, the darkness and the grunginess of an Istanbul and others love the cleanliness of um, other cities or someone else loved the open space and the greenery of, of another one. And, and sort of when you started to synthesise all that down, there was so much common ground around what people loved about cities and at the heart of it it was around having places and spaces for people so taking them out of their into a different environment and encourage them to talk about things they liked you're starting from a premise of of agreement as opposed to point of difference which you know other you'll remember I'm sure in some of your time on council Natasha you know um, someone might turn up and say well I just want a bikeway and someone else will say well I just want more car parking and if you start at that point then you can never sort of reach agreement about what's possible so I think um, trying to find that sort of common ground early on is usually a good starting point and the other sort of big challenges around that tension between what's possible versus what what's important that um, you hold on to. So there are things that are really important to people around not letting go of. And so it's also a bit of, you know, if you can discuss and agree those sort of tensions as well early on in a strategic planning process, that often helps as well. I really like the, your insight there about creating that environment to inspire that's a really simple one, actually, in, mm. in, in sort of hindsight. Yeah. For any company or, or you know, business who's strategic planning to, to find that inspiration. Great idea. Made a huge difference. Um, funnily enough, it was uh, the show that we took council members around, which I hadn't sort of quite realised at the time, um, was around, I think it was for teenagers, it was around sex. So it was all, oh, good one. <laughs> it was all a bit embarrassing as, as we of, went as a well. a bit of so. uh, interesting yes, element. Yes, but anyway, it, it was good. <laughs> it was funny. That does sound inspirational. Claire, it would be remiss of me not to ask about the impact of COVID on the City of Adelaide in terms of the health concerns, people working from home, so reduced foot traffic, and there's been a revenue impact for the council. Can you just share what's been going on in the organisation in terms of COVID? Um, absolutely. It's had a massive impact on, on the city. Um, and interestingly, we work really closely with our capital city counterparts and every capital city um, the impact has been similar. Um, what's different about us from suburban councils is the majority, around uh, 50 2% of our revenue comes from ratepayers, but the vast majority of that 52% rate uh, money comes from commercial ratepayers who are really badly and heavily impacted uh, by COVID. Um, and the rest of our revenue comes from our commercial operations, things like our U parks and our on-street parking. Um, every time there's a, a lockdown, we lose approximately a million dollars in revenue. Um, and so um, COVID's making us and requiring us to be really clever and smart just around um, how we manage our resources and the services uh, that we deliver. And it's required us to think really differently about how we deliver those services as well. As an organisation, we did do a restructure. We were required to reduce our operating costs 
cost by $20 million, um, and we implemented that structure in January. Um, And so, like any other organisation, we've had to think really differently about what we do and manage that um, revenue shortfall. But on the other side, what it has allowed us to do is be um, much more bold um, in terms of how we address some of those concerns. Um, And it's also uh, required us to be a lot more innovative and targeted in uh, where we provide support. Like many businesses, innovative, be targeted, be efficient. So uh, thank you for sharing that. The the city needs people. What does work from home mean for the city? It's a real challenge. So um, we're partnering with state government. Um, you might have heard around uh, FOMO Fridays, hit the town, go to town. These campaigns are really important to encourage people to come back into the city. One thing that has been really clear to us is the one thing that the city offers that um, the suburban areas don't is that you can have really great experiences here during free and festival you can go and you know hang out in in um, parklands and see great events and so making sure that those types of um, things are are still on offer um, is going to be I think the point of difference for the city and it will encourage people to come back people are hungry to be able to go and experience an event or a show and the city does that brilliantly so playing to our strengths around that is um, I I believe the way that we'll um, continue to grow. There are so many great strengths. You remind me of my um, my campaign slogan, creating a city to live, work and play. Um, it's really important to get those people into the CBD. Um, now let's move on to collaboration, my, uh, my topic that I'm passionate about and the theme of this podcast. It's really important, I, I always found for, uh, for council when I was there, to collaborate with a whole range of different stakeholders, federal government, state government and industry So I'll get you to talk about collaboration in general, but I want to hone in more on the collaboration with industry. I'm I'm sure some of the listeners of this podcast might be interested from their own opportunities from a a business perspective. Talk to me about, you said it's a value in the council, collaboration. How does it play out? Uh, Really good question. We actually, by necessity, uh, as you've described, need to collaborate really broadly and deeply and people always find that it can sometimes get hard when the outcome is quite clear but the two sides of the you know collaborative arm aren't necessarily aren't necessarily being able to find that common ground really really good example where we work closely with industry um, to try and get a great outcome was around mobile food This was hugely divisive a a few years ago. Um, What we found internally was that the staff that were leading uh, the program um, had sort of shifted from, um, you know, the sort of public servant mindset to becoming real advocates for the vendors of these mobile food vans and sort of had gone down this path of advocacy internally and what it meant was the industry groups who had responsibility for the bricks and mortar businesses weren't you know getting listened to so what I did when that challenge was thrown at me was was take it away from the expert and the advocate internally give it to someone who I knew was just a really good collaborator someone who was brilliant at policy and ask them to work on developing a policy with industry and with ratepayers and with the sector, the mobile food van sector, to 
um, come up with some guidelines and policy that could enable everyone to be happy. And so it was just around the outcome, everyone was clear, was, you know, being able to allow mobile food vans to operate, but making sure that the person internally who was leading that didn't necessarily have that vested interest. And then working with industry to make sure that the, the right voices were in the room. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, often I find that there's poor outcomes or industry that's you know, really hasn't been worked with or listened to. It's often because we've approached it from an advocacy perspective internally as opposed to outcome. So it's, yeah, it's just keeping an eye on things like that and making sure you've got the right people with the right skill set leading it. Interesting. That's, a, that's an interesting insight. During my time on council, I was always um, an advocate for public-private partnerships, the opportunities for industry to work with local government through partnerships, and, and obviously there's tender processes and, and the like. And, and I'm sure that some listening want to do business with local government and have to go through certain processes can you just share um, an insight into how council... I know council's always keen to do um, <laughs> partnerships and engage with, with industry. 88 O'Connell is, is an, yeah. a good example now. For those that are listening and going, oh, it's you know, sometimes too hard, can you share an insight into what they might want to think about? Yeah, I do hear that a fair bit, um, <laughs> that, you know... Working with the public sector is too hard and so people tend to run a mile before um, ever trying to work with us, having worked with us once, never again. Um, uh, I think we, we have some really good examples of where we have worked with private sector to, to do things that um, at the time people said weren't possible. Something really simple like the tree climb in the South Parklands. So it, one of the things we always try and help the private sector to understand is there needs to be some sort of public value created as part of the partnership. So asking those sort of questions really early on around well, what's the public value um, as a result of this partnership? What will that look like? What will it be? As long as you have those conversations early, it makes it a lot easier. We were told that there's no way that we'd ever get a tree climb in our parklands. And yet, um, it's one of the most popular things now for people to come and do. The numbers have been off the scale. It's been so sensitively designed um, and, you know, really highly valued, but it's delivering huge attraction to an area of our parklands that no one ever really went to previously. So it's around just, you know, asking industry and private sector to just, you know, really think through what is the public value that... that will be delivered through this and having having that um, articulated early and then allowing the organisation to manage the bits that we know around transparency, decision-making, making sure that, you know, the organisation manages that part of it. And obviously, you know, the council's interested in, in getting access to innovation and ideas mm. from, from the private sector. Let, let's hypothetically say you know someone's got an idea and they want to, um, as you say, they, there's public value and there's a, an opportunity for them to have that conversation. Do they then, once they've had that, does it then have to kick into a tender process? It depends. Uh, it really does depend. An another example of where we didn't have the answer but we knew that there was a problem was um, our 10 gig network. So we'd heard lots of feedback, particularly from medical institutions and from North Adelaide, that being able to access really high, quick 
data network was going to be critical to their uh, business's growth. But we didn't know what the answer was, so we just went out with a with an expression of interest with, with the problem and looked to the market to give us a solution. And as a result, we've now got a 1,000 buildings uh, all connected to this 10 gig network, which is one of the fastest in the world. So it's challenging us as an organisation to be open to um, solving some of these challenges it would have been too easy for us to have just said well actually that's all hard and it's not our role it's not our it's not the business we should be in that's someone else's job to do but what we were able to do was be quite creative around seeking from the market uh, the solutions to the problem the other way that we we manage it sometimes is through unsolicited proposals although as a policy that is on hold at the moment um, with the council but um, you know as long as the idea um, can't be replicated then you can sort of enter into discussions with council and administration just around getting that idea up and running. And how important is it for business and industry to be familiar with the strategic plan of of council um, and form um relationships with the people within the organisation? Um, definitely being familiar with um, what the council's trying to achieve in its strategic plan is always really helpful. So um, ideas that align make it so much easier to be able to have those conversations. In terms of building relationships with administration, obviously we're required um, under various rules and regulations just around uh, decision making so for us it's always um, really important to make sure that we're really transparent with our community and elected body um, and so making sure that we're having those conversations early um, and testing whether these ideas um, have political appetite that's always a really important step in any sort of process. Claire, thank you. Um, there's there's a lot in, in all of that and I think there's a genuine interest from people about A, the city itself and what's going on, B, the people that run the city and the administration and also understanding what the strategic direction is and the, the opportunities to partner. Have you just got any last final practical tips on collaboration just in general, um, what you've seen work or maybe what you've seen not work. At the heart of it, it's around building trusting relationships. One of the biggest eye-openers for me was um, the Adelaide Oval redevelopment from you know a few many years ago now. Um, but when the City of Adelaide Council was deliberately left out of any of those conversations early on because um, we weren't a trusted partner or, or a trusted organisation, um, that was the biggest eye-opener for me. Um, so as a result of that, I have always pledged to make sure that at the heart of any sort of relationship, it's got to come from a place of trust, which means you've got to be open, honest and respectful. And I think as long as you come from that starting point, anything's possible. Great, great insight. Uh, trust is one of my favourite words and building those relationships and um, I'm really grateful for the time you've spent today as you, you've highlighted that that collaborative partnerships when we all do it together we do it better which is another one of my mottos. Spot on. At SA Leaders we are all about collaboration and community. If you're curious to know more about how we help businesses and leaders just like you scale and grow beyond their glass ceilings then visit our website 
at www.saleaders.com.au. And please don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast with your network and write a review if you really enjoyed it. This has been an Audiosity production. I'm Natasha Milani and I look forward to chatting with you next time. Happy connecting and see you soon.